You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Welcome to another episode of Behaviour Change Marketing Bootcamp. Today, we are so delighted to welcome to the episode two extraordinary talented communication specialists or leads. And actually, as we were just saying before we came on, the queens of communication. So Leanne Hughes, who is a senior communications officer for the NHS, and Rebecca Roberts, who is the founder of Thread and Fable, a marketing comms consultancy, and a complete specialist in young people. And they've both come on to talk to us about an incredible campaign they've launched called Awkward Moments. And why it's so special, not only because the execution is so good, but because it's actually developed and co-created with young people themselves, which we all know is something we all aspire to. But, you know, we don't always get there, if we're honest. So even just starting with that ambition from the very beginning is absolutely fantastic. So congratulations to you both on that. I'm going to hand over to you now. But just to say for everyone listening, get a pen and paper now, because there are going to be some hot tips on how you can do this yourselves. Okay, over to you, Leanne. Please say hello to everyone. Hi, thanks, Ruth. Thanks for that. An amazing introduction and for welcome us on to your lovely podcast here. We're pleased to just talk a bit around our approach to our campaign, Awkward Moments, which is all about consent and particularly about positive consent in an intimate situation for young people. And as you said, we did actually go a bit further than the norm with a meaningful engagement for this campaign. And we'll probably just talk you through what we did do and what difference in, in approach that we did take to take a few extra steps than what is normally considered engagement. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you. And hi, Rebecca. Hello. I love that we've been introduced as royalty. I feel that's quite special, isn't it? I was going for PM this week, so I heard there's a job going. So um, <laughs> that might be my next intro. Um, yeah, so I'm, as you said, I'm it's always a bit awkward when someone says you're um, a specialist, but yeah, I'm really passionate about engaging young people. So I have a engaging youth report I put out every year, which kind of summarises lots of data. And I guess demystifies the fact that young people are just people, a normal audience group as you treat any other but they are kind of the poorest served really by Marcom so yeah we brought a lot of that into the campaign and was really grateful to work and be commissioned to do that as Fred and Fable and bring some specialists together to, to do it so yeah me and Leanne did, did our homework and put a few points together which hopefully will be a bit of a quick fire list of things that we'd recommend doing and also some not to do's because there's loads of those we could do a whole other episode on that, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. Thank you both. So let's kickstart then. Can you just sort of explain a little bit more about the campaign, the campaign objectives? Yeah. So the campaign itself was, it had a foundation of academic research in 2019 by a couple of universities in Scotland. And that looked at young people, their approaches to consent. And we asked them at that point what they needed to help them with difficult conversations in and around intimate consent, knowing that there is a lot of information out there about consent in a more general way, but this was just asking them what they needed in their toolkit as young people, sort of 16 to 19 year olds, that would really make the difference. And obviously we were looking at a combi approach. We were looking at what was going to help them to be able to move on in conversations and have meaningful conversations, confident conversations. And then we, from the back of the research, we obviously wanted to measure any 
behavior change or intention to change or confidence to change from the back of of the research. So that's the premise of of the project. It was to basically to respond to that research, providing them with a digital resource, which just helped them through and give them confidence to have these awkward conversations, which is why it's called Awkward Moments. Yeah, no, it's fantastic, actually. I love the word awkward because it just sums up so much already, doesn't it? It's like it takes them straight into the context yeah, we did. The focus groups were really fascinating. So I sort of came in after being commissioned, looked at all the research out there. And then the team, Leanne and, and Co, had done so many workshops with young people as well. So it was a really good way to mix that kind of qualitative, quantitative insight. And then we had a whole kind of process around youth engagement to kind of inform the campaign development, which we'll run through in a little bit in terms of like tips and how best approach it. But it was that fact that we definitely found there was some key themes coming out from the conversations with different young people around talking about sex is awkward, talking about consent is awkward. That's not going to suddenly be eradicated. So it's almost like embracing that. And that was an entry point rather than it coming across as this is a video about, you know, consent and this is what we're going to do. So I think it was just trying to get straight to the point. It's got an element of humour in. They really like sex education on Netflix. There's all these different inspirations that kind of came together about how we got something quite complex across in an easy way. So yeah, it was really fun to work on. Yeah. And so just for anyone listening, do you want to let them know the website address so they can go and check out the videos? So that's awkwardmoments.co.uk. Is that right, yeah, Rebecca? It is. I was looking at it. Could you imagine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all just, the films are on there. <laughs> just so anyone listening wants to have a quick look while we're talking, because I just see actually what you're saying. You really stretch that through the campaign as well, just going straight into context, straight into the moment. The assets themselves, the actual awkward moments, is just completely genius. Did I tell you, Leanne? So, Rebecca, oh, God, he's going to kill me. But I said, look, to my son, my teenage son, oh, come and check these out. What do you think? And his face, he looked at me, he looked at it, he was like, you know, that awkwardness immediately. And I just was, you know, thinking, oh my God, it's absolutely perfect for young people to go, you know, to have a look at. But you could almost see the body language change. This is a really tough subject, but it is such an important one. It is. And I think everything out there when we're speaking to people like they're, they're kind of scared to talk about it. It was very preachy. You do this, you do that. And there was nothing around creating that space to help them. And I think that positive approach was, um, I guess, the key to it, really. Yeah. And I loved in when I was watching through them, I particularly like the text one. I just thought, oh, yeah, you know, that's you could see that actually happening. But like you're saying, that safe space where actually it's not about getting it right or wrong. It's about conversations. It's about having that communication. So but yeah, well, there's no judgment, there's no preachiness, there's no anything in there. It's really lovely. Yeah, we went, went through the research and tried to pull out the key, I guess, messages or key things that we needed to get across and try to focus those down to how we do that. So um, yeah, that whole kind of call to action message and reminding people, nudging them without it being too directional was, yeah, a fun process to go through. Yeah. Okay. So take us from the top then. If someone was looking at this, can you share how how come you got it this good? What were some hot tips? What was the process you took? So I suppose for Rebecca and I, when we met, we we kind of, our sort of shared principle is that you have to ask young people, you have to do your homework and you have to ask young people for their opinions because we do not know. And if you start on that basis that we think you know, then you're going to fail basically. So I think our first tip would be around doing your homework in whatever way you can possibly do that with whatever time you've got, whatever budget you've got, you know, kind of make sure, I mean, this was a bit gold standard because it was a few NHS board in Scotland 
pooling resource together to create a one for all resource that is now available in Scotland and obviously it's it's applicable to anywhere in the country really. So for us it's about making sure that it's based on research that we can actually respond to would be the the, the first point in the process. Yeah and I'd say like you, there's a bit of mixer the engaging youth report I share so that's threadonfable.com and that's free and I've done them every year mainly because there's so much data out there so if you were looking at a group of people of any age group and you think well how do I go about this there is a lot of research already there so it was a bit of a demystifying that you have to spend thousands on lots of research so it summarizes all sorts of data points from just trends habits, socioeconomic factors. I mean, last year's one was pretty bleak. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even put social media stuff in. It was sort of state of the nation, what's affecting young people. But there's like over, I mean, I trawl through over 60, 70 reports a year and put the top 50 in there and link to them. So if there was a particular, you know, if it was childhood obesity or something else, you could find it. And I would say, do some desk research. Doesn't cost very much. Within a day, you could probably find some some good reports. Don't just go with one. Go through conflicting ones, but go through some recent ones, and then drill down a further layer. And I did a project with a client, the paratriathlon actually, and looking at young people's experience in getting into performance sport. And we had a really small focus group through Activity Alliance, and we paid young people. That's another thing. Always paying people. So do your homework, get your research, but pay them for it for their time. But that was really great because it added to a lot of the desk research I could do for a client to say, hey, if you want to do this account, um, campaign, this is what you could base it on. Going beyond that, I mean, I interviewed head of research at Usport Trust about how she approaches research. And she was like, even if it was a qualitative, really small speaking to a family about their experience, that might give you some really great gold dust nuggets that could inform something else. So we had all this research and it was a throwaway comment from one young person in particular in terms of awkward moments that really made me think about something differently. And that just stuck with me. So sometimes you always think, oh, is it really huge? Has it got to be big? But sometimes it can be coupled up with other little bits. I think my question was something like, you know, look, if it could leave you with one thing, you know, in reality, this campaign, no one's, a lot of young people be like, that's really helpful or whatever. What would it be useful? And it's like, do you know what? If I was in an intimate situation, that it was something easy, I could just pop into my head and go, do you know what? I just need to check this or I just need to be able to say this. And I was like, okay, so it's a mental, something you can remember really easily. So that was how the whole checking with yourself and the person you're with, that whole mind reader concept. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's the main one. Do your homework. <laughs> Okay, brilliant. And so actually your Thread and Fable Engaging Youth Report, that actually yeah. has links and clicks and things in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant. I'm just thinking of something I'm working on myself. That's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah, it's right. So I, did I didn't realise yeah. that. Oh, amazing. So we'll link up to that in the show notes as well. I completely agree, actually. There is so much data out there. The desk research is there. And also, if you're working in the NHS or public health, local government, there are people as well working on sort of childhood, you know, policy. And often there's a lot of data existing, isn't there, that you can Mm -hmm. at least start reading the papers and um, you know, even the children and young people's strategy should be based on some data to get you started. Yeah, Ofcom's always really good for media habits as well. I love, love their reports. So yeah, you can just become a total research geek and become really interested in stuff. But I think that's a really nice place to start that's no cost really that you can do. And then if you've got the capacity to do some, but then you can see where the gaps are. So you can kind of go, so this tells me this, that tells me that, but I don't really have a clear picture on something else. And that might shape your thinking. Um, And it kind of leads on to our second point was the fact that the key thing is that young people are not one big homogenous group because often they are treated as like young people, you know, like you don't really get this, like over 40s think this, 
but you definitely do with young people and it's a bit of a catch-all for all young people and they are very different. So I'd say beyond age, you know, there are different groups, different socioeconomic factors. And the trouble is, as you get a bit older, is suddenly you think one young person represents all young people. So, you know, the meetings I've been in when I hear someone goes, well, my 15-year-old nephew has told me this. And you go, oh, that's, that's great. That might be a little nugget of something, but you wouldn't base everything on one young person and equally there is quite a lot of performative stuff here so they go oh you know we want this has been co-created with young people we've had young people's opinion when you dig into it they've shown almost fully complete project and go to a young person do you like that and they go yeah it's all right and they go brilliant we've nailed it so it's really yeah. important that you try and be quite representative and we did this on this project where we're like are the right voices in the room and you know there's other projects for example some community sports if so i was on the board for about five years working with a sports organization in stoke and staffordshire and we recognize that not all groups wanted to engage in a formal way like they had been doing and we had that with our group like actually is this a attending regularly is that going to work for them is paying them for maybe a couple of appearances and in a chat with their group youth worker probably better so it's just trying to work out that you're not sort of you know like a lot of councils will say don't worry we've got young people nailed we've got a youth um yeah, parliament, youth parliament. Group. and yeah. you go cool that's great and um, they're not necessarily representative of the community you're trying to reach so they're quite self-selecting might have a, an ambition on career and politics no the judgment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably do a better job. But I think that's where you have to go beyond. So for example, for us for inclusion diversity, are the right people, how are we casting even the actors? So just relying on ads wasn't enough. I wanted to go to uh, minority acting groups, to some trans and non-binary acting collectives to say, hey, would you have you seen this? Would you like to apply? Because we want to be really proactive on that front. So we got, you know, and this is like we had to move quite fast. This it wasn't huge budget, but we had to be really mindful of that and kind of proactively get the right people in the room. So that's what I'd say on is our second one. Yeah. Oh I think, my gosh. Just on that as well, I think it's about with the age element of that, I think for young people and like how comms is put out for young people, you see so many outputs where it's one for all, like quite a wide age span. So what's going to work for a 10-year-old is not going to work for a 15-year-old. And there's something like within that, span that's really really important i think that you know it gets missed a lot if we're talking about engaging with young people we can't as rebecca was saying the homogenous group you cannot really sort of approach it that way you're gonna have to think about it i always chunk it into three sort of sections within like say 10 to 21 or something like that they want something completely different okay. and look and feel and content and you do see that quite a lot like the age range over that period is probably something to have an eye on so did you segment your targets or the young people for this campaign? Did you have any groups of different personas or segments? How did you sort of break up the young people element? We knew that we wanted 16 to 19. So that's the main aspect of ours. Okay. So, so you had a really good target audience to start with. Yeah, our target group was quite specific, really, because conversations they'll be having at that time were quite specific. It's not... Yeah an introduction to it's probably some conversations and actions that they've already we, we assumed yeah. we assumed that are, there are a certain point we also um, found that a lot of um the groups that we were speaking to who were quite engaged with the subject were already you know accessing a lot of this content and we knew we wanted to actually reach a lot of young men actually that would perhaps have more power in that dynamic in terms of intimate moments and may not have engaged with it so in terms of the message what was really interesting for us was 
we had to really balance the fact that this is two sides of a situation and there is a power imbalance. And as much as you wanted to empower people to speak up for themselves in a situation, we also wanted to make sure that we got the message across about the person creating space for the other person. Does that make sense? So if someone's got a bit more power in that, they may they may be quite happy with the with the situation, but they might not think to check in with someone. So it was just kind of both sides of that. And so in terms of our testing, we did quite a lot of blind testing. So young people were involved throughout the project, really well versed on it, brilliant. And then there were people that had not been engaged. So we wanted to specifically go back to them and test that message before we kind of agreed that final messaging, test that it landed well with both, you know, all those groups of young people. Oh, that's amazing. So you had them at the beginning for sort of the design and then you had them at the message testing stage as well. Oh, yeah. Like all the way through we had young people. So literally every stage. So we had a key group, like a youth panel, I guess for want of a better word. And then we had other groups of young people that had not been involved that we could test it with. And that was really important because... We wanted to sort of get feedback on this is where the whole, you know, young people throughout, I guess, but all those different stages. And and I guess that, that we were really keen to go, right, what group have we not, are we missing a group here? You know, what, what's the socioeconomic? Do you feel like we've kind of covered all groups? Have we spoke, we're working with LGBT Scotland, um, yeah. rape crisis. So, you know, from a, a different perspective and making sure that we've kind of covered those key groups. So it was really, yeah, it was fascinating from that point of view because Again, we didn't have like heaps of time or an endless budget to do it. We were just trying to say like, where are the gaps? So that was quite a good one. Yeah. And on that roof, it's probably, we're probably jumping around our sort of thinking about our points really. But I would say that in terms of youth engagement and going for gold on it, what we did was we learned from previous experiences about when you bring in young people into the process. So in this particular project, they actually were on the interview panel interviewing the people pitching for the work. And as part of, oh, they, wow. and they were actually, the young people involved in, you know, they asked the questions, they grilled the people coming in, didn't they? It wasn't in the oh, process. Yes, this is point three, meaningful <laughs> engagement. But yeah, like that involvement, <laughs> um, it was great because it meant that they knew I wasn't coming in as just some random, like they'd, they'd been on the panel and like judged what I was saying. And I brought the person who was leading, um, Josh Capo from Archetype, who was leading on the youth, some of the youth engagement sessions with me. And so we sat down and they kind of grilled us on all of that. It was great, like really great. And from a commissioner's um, point of view, it was gold because they really helped us and they really sifted through wow. some of the things that we, you know, we have a business objective. We have to, you know, th- there's ways in doing co-production and unmeaningful engagement, which is there's different levels of that. And people saying that they are maybe doing it when they're probably not. But for us, the learning from previous bits of work I've done myself is not to give over scripts half created for comments. It's that's not fair. That's not fair on the young people because they've got, you know, it's not clean. It's not a clean process and they will be polite and they won't be able to say what they really think. So for what's probably unique about our process and this, this campaign is that they had the space to come right the way through. And I mean, they signed it off they looked at the rushes, they looked at every, they had um, ability to speak about every single part of the process so that they weren't being 
use as a conduit or a, you know, genuinely their feedback was allowed to be taken and could be, they were given a lot of space to, to be able to do that and it was all on, the richer for it. Yeah, and on that meaningful engagement, I guess the starting point for us was we wrote almost like a mini job spec of what we were looking for the youth panel and what we were going to pay, like a contribution, like a, a gift voucher to the, their time over a few sessions. We had an intro session to explain what would be required. So it was we treated them with utmost respect around this. We took this seriously. We took their views seriously. And I think the other thing about meaningful engagement that when people come to me and say, right, we want to co-create with young people. And they'll go like, literally like, it's taking us forever. It's like, well, of course, because actually, unless you have a process, any project can take forever. So if you go back and go, here's a blank piece of, piece of paper, that's just going to take forever. So you need to give the parameters of what, what you're going to do. Because the other flip side is they might come up with something that they absolutely love, like young people, we sign this off, we are so here for it. And you go, I would lose my job if that goes out. I cannot do that. So it's got to be really structured, like ideas within the box in in a positive way. And also, and that means every engagement. So when we'd ask for feedback, even when it was through other people for the testing group, we'd say like, we'd love people to watch this and any comments, you know, welcomed. But we'd really like to focus on when you're watching is this, this and this? Or what we'd really like you to ask that group of young people is this specifically because this will help us with that. And I think that was so key for us because you can't waste time going like, what do you reckon? And then people go, well, and you're just like, well, I'm not going to change that. I've we've filmed it. Obviously, yeah. if it's completely wrong. So you've got to be realistic about what that engagement's like. And we stuck really tightly to that because otherwise it's literally, it's unfair because young people might go, do you know what? I don't like a jumper in that. It's awful. Or I don't like her accent. And you go, that's a really good point, but it's literally I can't, we can't fix it <laughs> so yeah. yeah I think it's just getting them to focus on the important stuff was key do you know what when you as you're saying that I'm thinking this should be for all stakeholder engagement you know no one should be allowed to show creative copy to anyone at the late stage you know what it's like that is when you just get everyone piling in with their it's all quite emotional whether you know taste based very subjective feedback yeah but 100%. that clarity, yes, yeah, I think we're all ages are guilty of that. And oh, because I so hate getting creative back, don't you? Like, I have to sleep on it because I look at it and go, I hate everything about what I've just seen. And I have to sleep on it and then come back to it and then I'm better. So asking someone on, and I've seen it so many times with when I worked in higher ed, like young students, quit watching that. And it's like a lot to process. Like, they're just, they're just showing two things, one in red, one in blue. Like, what's... What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. And I think actually, and I don't know about you, but we always used to have this marketing rule that we wouldn't really comment if we didn't know the objective. It's so easy to just express an opinion. But if you don't know the purpose of the content, you don't know what it's trying to do. You don't actually know if it's meeting the spec. So yeah, I love this idea of having a really, really clear clarity for the people you're engaging with. Yeah, that was um, a good one. And I guess our fourth one is my favourite one because I know what we're going to talk about in a second, which is assemblies, but it's oh, don't, on. don't talk at the audience ever. Because I think with young people, there is a real power dynamic issue, in, particularly in this country. But if you think about everything in terms of their capacity to vote, you know, money, decision-making in their own lives, all this kind of stuff. And I guess this is why they're treated as like young people, you know, like we don't, whatever, they're just there for a lot of organisations. They won't necessarily take them seriously or they're kind of mystified as these kind of like alien creatures that, you know, saying stupid stuff like, you know, they have the attention span of three seconds and just stuff like that, which is really helpful kind of stereotype. So yeah, I think just not talking at them is really important. And obviously you need to still convey your message, but it's almost trying to be on the same page. You've still got, you know, 
clear business objectives and you want to kind of get that message across, but you just want to sort of talk, not tell. Yeah. And which is probably extremely important with our context, you know, with sexual health and relationships, positive relationships in a world where there's a lot of messages around that, which are really negative. Yeah. And it's just all about basically trying to change that. And the, the starting point, again, is our starting point was thinking about behavioral change and behavioral science you know, and kind of showing what the positive is, showing what the possible is rather than what the negative is. And that was a real, I think for me, I must have said that about 20 million times in every conversation. Yeah, that we had. yeah, yeah. We said, the magic and, <laughs> yeah, and we said this. So I guess our moment of kind of work, knowing that we would end up working together at some point was because we were kind of bemoaning some of the youth like campaigning we'd seen and kind of campaigns put together. And I was like, how I equate it with a lot of this kind of key messaging often is this kind of school analogy where you'd be sat in assembly and there'd be some older kids on and maybe a bit of music and you're like, this is cool. And they're like, yeah, this is, this is cool guys, isn't it? We're at a disco and you're like, oh, what, what, this is like a play or something. Like, yeah, it's really cool. We're having a cool time. Do you know who else is cool? Jesus. And you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is a, an assembly getting some message across about not smoking or something. And I was like, that's my fear. And and I guess the other key point of that around like not talking at the audience, you know, being real is, I guess, tip number five, whatever, I think we're on. But the key thing is about being real is not being real to yourself. Like, don't pretend sadly you're the, you're not the target audience. That is a key thing to remember for any, I guess, campaign, unless you are literally are the target audience. But Often you won't be, often your bosses won't be. And there is nothing sadder, particularly from higher education, I remember this, and I said it to the team, there is nothing sadder than a group of millennials sitting around wondering what would have been cool for them in 2002 when they were at university, because we're not there, guys. Like, get over it. And just because you go, yeah, this looks right, you cannot dismiss that testing with young people and being real and authentic to them and what's going on in their moment in time and yeah. cultural reference points and all that is so important. So um, don't try and be the dancing cool dad or mum and don't try and do the assembly thing. <laughs> <laughs> never, never do the, uh, yeah, don't take drugs assembly. Don't do that. It's not going to work. You mean Grange Hill is still not the leading <laughs> educator for young people? <laughs> Showing my age now. Samo, any Samo fans? Yeah, yeah, same, 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 same. Rollo, Rollo. I remember yeah. my mum not letting me watch Grange Hill because she was like, "No, you're not watching this. It's you know, it's full of drugs." Like at one point, and I was like, "Wow, okay." She also had a really bizarre rule that I couldn't watch Neighbours and Home and Away. Like I had to pick one. Oh, was watching oh. two. I don't know why. It was like just a really bad thing to do. Apparently, just so I remember, <laughs> I remember picking Neighbours for some reason. Yeah, funny. But yeah, I think just yeah, the, the bullshit radar is very strong, and I think if you're pretending to be cool or you know down with the kids in some way like it's just it's just embarrassing and people need to stop doing that and I've seen a lot with like a couple of marketing agencies and they just you just have to be careful like just wheeling a young person that looks you know they've got a jaunty hat on and they represent everything cool it's like that is great and engaging people to create content brilliant but no matter how cool an idea is it has to be based on the research points actually making sure it's going to deliver, not talking at them, all that kind of stuff still applies. So, yeah. And, I, and we always talk about this in our training as well. If you don't do the message testing, you actually don't know that you're not pushing them further away from the goal. And around subjects like this, it's really important because you just, you don't want to tip them towards actually now I feel I can't talk about this, you know, and actually if you haven't got the cultural points right, or if you're not speaking in every, in your target audience's language, you can so easily do that. 
and then actually you're widening health inequalities or, you know, you're reducing people's sense of permission. So, um, yeah, I love the fact that you tested. And I just can't believe, Leanne, that you went from place with the commissioners, the commissioning, and then all the way through. I hadn't realised that. That's fantastic. The first time I've had them on the, I've commissioned a lot of youth content for NHS and it's the first time we've had young people sit with us and alongside us and they truly like we can hand on heart say that they were alongside us all the way and were able to contribute like 100% and they were really valuable in their contributions and I don't mean that in a really patronising way at all you know they genuinely were creative excellent contributors to the work and that's why it feels for me anyway we wanted Scottish content it doesn't exist it's the first bit of content probably in the country about this particular bit of consent but it was really important in Scotland that they saw the you know people that looked like themselves and sounded like themselves you know sort of represented so that they can well I mean it's just obvious but just so they could identify and just for anyone listening as well there's resources on there for professionals isn't there and lesson plans so you can avoid that assembly feeling. <laughs> Follow the lesson plan, use the resources. And I suppose on that, Ruth, I suppose another tip for us would be around about, you know, obviously we followed a strategic comms uh, approach with this work, but our evaluation and how we measure something as difficult as what is, how will we see if there's any change in behaviour or confidence or intention is very much built into what we actually put out. So, you know, we did start with a valuation connected to our aims and objectives at the very start, which is quite small. So we're looking at quite a small area really of change and have built in digital and softer evaluation streams, which is, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. So we've had a good go at that. Obviously the campaign is live at the moment, so we haven't got the results at the moment, but Rebecca and I work mega hard to make the evaluation meaningful so that we can see where it's going. And then eventually, you know, possibly it will be using education settings, Will it can be using youth work sessions. That's why it's created in that way with surveys connected to it at the point of delivery so that we can see oh. and test and get the feedback from young people at that point in terms of what how they feel after the session. Yeah, I know. That's fantastic. I did notice on the website, actually, it popped up and started asking me questions. I thought, oh, yeah, that's again, brilliant. Perfect timing. Yeah, and that that little pop-up. So big shout out to a little tool called cues.ai who've been really helpful. But that is just, it's been magic, really, because it's such an easy, you can just click one little thing. And if that's all you answer, it's like the killer question we want to know, like, as a result of watching this, do you think you feel a bit better about having that conversation in your own life? And then if they answer that, then we can take them on to answer some more things. So yeah, it was just about the different stages and back to kind of that point around, you've got different types of young people engaging with the campaign and you're trying to reach. So a one size doesn't fit all. We might do some focus groups with, you know, we spoke to some young people who from the Roma community who said their parents had no conversations with them growing up specifically on this. So we had some really interesting conversations about what they'd like to see, how they'd feed back to that. And, you know, they're not necessarily going to go, please give me a long survey. I'd love to do that because what young person would. So it's almost just trying to build in lots of different ways to kind of go back to different young people and say, did you see this? What do you think? And the ad recall, we're trying to measure in part through asking, but also in terms of behavior across our different social media platforms and what people are doing with the ads. And that's really fascinating. So it's doing really well on TikTok. We're only a couple of weeks in, 
but really well on TikTok to the point where people are even commenting and replying to the ads, which is quite unheard of, and wow. positively messaging and saying like, oh my God, me and my partner talk like this, this is great, and clicking through. And we didn't really expect any click-throughs from social media necessarily because a lot of people stay in that, but we are seeing a lot of people engage with it. So um, yeah, it's an interesting one. And just another thing with youth campaigns, there is a tendency to rush fully to think we must create an app. Rarely young people will want an app sorry oh, okay. um because the prime time space on their phone is you know they don't have the data to download it so it has to be something they really really need that to, okay. to have it just seriously me so and, and the tendency is like everything's got to be digital and social media based which can be great but not every young person and there'll be other settings so we've got that's why we've kind of looked at the session plan because actually a lot of youth workers or teachers might say god i've got the session coming up i need something to show so they will be sharing it so you've got to think about Yes, a young person may be the end user, but what are the routes in? And like with a lot of the sports stuff I've done before in education, it is thinking like, okay, so how can I make that teacher's life easy and give them something that's going to help reach our target audience, but through them? So it's just thinking about that. And I'll give you a link to the show notes, but I think it's the World Health Organization. It's a really great report. I think it was last year, it might have been the year before, around this idea about digital health and the obsession with apps, basically. It was like a lot of money can be spent on making it right, an app right, but to keep it up to date is really hard. And Actually, sometimes the resources don't have to all be digital. It could be a poster, it could be an info sheet, Does it, which sounds really traditional and kind of at kilter, but not every young person has access to unlimited Wi-Fi and data. So it's just, it was just an interesting point, I think, because tendency is to assume, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. I've been asked for an app for sexual health for about 20 years and every time it's never happened. <laughs> ever. <I> know. <laughs> Surely a toilet door. That was yeah. when I was in sexual health. That was the yeah. first thing we did, all the clubs and pubs. I still think there's a place Split for that. Them up really? The, yeah. And in the mirrors, you know, when everyone's yeah. having a drink and whatnot. There's definitely um, a place for that. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's just I don't fall into that trap of like just the stereotypes as well of like, oh, yeah, yeah it's got to be, it's got to be this way. Because again, other, other stuff's interesting. Like lockdown was interesting for like YouTube pre-roll ads that typically younger people were watching them for longer and started to engage with them in longer format. Now that's not to say it will next month or whatever, but it's really helpful just to get a good grip and work with agencies and experts that know their stuff that can advise on that because that's fascinating to me so just because something worked on the youth campaign i've done before i don't assume it'll work again like you learn from it but you go right what it's different it's like quantum leap i'm a different person different target audience how old do i sound by the way referencing quantum leap as a, as a reference point but anyway <laughs> so just remind us what channels are you advertising on for this campaign at the moment so we've got TikTok is our main one, some Snapchat as well. We did a period of two weeks of testing basically across everything and worked out what was engaging in people the most to get the latest on this. So from that was we've got TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube pre-roll ads. We're doing a bit on Spotify as well. Oh, wow. Um, so that's the main the main collection. But we did test on Instagram, Instagram stories, Facebook stories we tried as well because in higher ed they've had a little bit more engagement but yeah it's for this bit of content in particular that's why it's worth testing your content because particularly with sexual health one as leanne knows some of them get blocked by certain channels yeah. and we also again going back to higher ed how we'd sort of test this is sometimes you'll get something that will really work with a female audience or a certain age bracket on a certain channel but not on others so again doing that two weeks of testing is well however long you need to but two weeks for us was enough to go okay that informs what we need to do for another week or two and then we'll probably oh, change brilliant. it again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. So 
really you're listening, watching, changing, adapting to yeah. and what it's not everyone is People go like, oh, it's agile. Like if you speak to some agencies, they'll make it out that to speak to young people. Like if you look at Edelman, have just appointed a, a ZOO, so a Zoo, <laughs> yeah. the Gen oh, Z. Yes. Uh, who's related to someone there by the way so whatever oh, really? yeah but it's just bizarre it's so bizarre because I'm all for engaging in people in meaningful ways but I worry that sometimes it's seen as like this you know you cannot it's so mystifying to engage in people you cannot possibly do it you engage as a marketer and communicator with different audiences all the time so just take that same approach with young people but it's having the, it's not being too bold as you go in. It's having the space and the planning with different, like we've got five films there and we've got different bits of other social media. It's all available on the site where we can test that. You know, we're not showing the full films yeah. clearly on social media, but that was the point of it really was just to geek out really and see what's landing where so that we can then sort of concentrate and focus in on on what is what is what's landing. It- and a really weird nugget one, but it goes back to behaviour science. So we knew that from the research that you know, if we made these films to be like, yeah, you have this conversation, everyone's happy and it always goes well. Amazing. That wouldn't be very fair or accurate. So on a couple of the scripts and we were filming, we wanted them to almost have a, an awkward, not totally happy. Like this wasn't about non-consent. So we didn't get down that road, but they were a bit like puffy. Okay, that's the word we use, happy. And um, we tested this with young people and the one that had the most of it in, young people were like, oh, I didn't like this one because his response wasn't right. And we were like, this is what we want. And actually it was so important that we had that reaction, like a negative reaction to not liking it, but they're learning the fact yeah. that, do you know what I mean? So it wasn't painting that picture. So for us, that was like, this is a great way of testing it because we knew we needed to keep that in there. Oh, it's brilliant. And it's great, isn't it, that they had the recognition that's wrong. It's like, mm, I'm not happy about that. Mm. Yeah, like, that's, oh, that's like, like that, a yeah. good soap opera yeah. storyline, isn't it? <laughs> that's what always keeps us hooked in. It's like, no, can't help but watch. They're never, really. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because you don't necessarily always want the reaction to be like, yeah, like, like, like. It's like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable. But that was kind of the point. So, yeah, understanding reaction before you get it was like the key thing for us. Because if we'd have just said, do you like that? And they went, no, we go pull that one then but because we said and had those specific yeah. questions we understood like why and that really helped us go well we definitely need to keep that edit yeah that's so good oh yeah because even I'm thinking now the things you don't like as well you think about you percolate you know in your brain don't they You're like yeah yeah it bothers you like why has he been like that like or yeah for both audiences it sits a bit uncomfortably so I think yeah. that's where it goes back to asking the right questions because without asking that and exploring what that group had said with their youth worker, because she was like, it's really fascinating. They didn't like this, but they said this, and we were like, amazing. They picked up on it because it was really subtle. It wasn't mm. massive, but yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. Young people always like surprise you and amaze you. It's really cool to work with them. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what an amazing job. And you are the power team. It's you've done fantastic <laughs> pulling this off. It's really brilliant, I have to say. I mean, I knew it was good, but just listening to you now, it's brilliant. I love the word process as well. It's quite sad, isn't it? But I've always got to have a process, as Leanne well, knows. Like. No, we of that. We're <laughs> absolutely of that school. And I think for us, this piece of work has taken four years to make because it's a really difficult thing to do well, really, really difficult, you know, and it's for us to get some idea of how it's landed and if it's made young people just feel a bit more confident or better about the subject will be the absolute, you know, the gold nugget really for us and we've had good feedback and when it has been tested that 
you know, it has made them laugh. It's not too serious. The tone feels good. The mind reader, everybody loves the mind reader character because she, and she was an absolute star when we were filming. She was just brilliant. So. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. She lands with, with that generation as well. Because I did wonder, I thought, oh, if I like her, you know, you think, oh, yeah. I like that. I haven't been working on this for four years, just, for non- <laughs> just to disclose. <laughs> I don't think I was still speaking. Leanne's only had to put up with me from autumn last year. That's probably so, the only round. Yeah. <laughs> I know what Leanne means, though. There's that whole commissioning point. The fact, Leanne, you've got that to down to a target audience and not just everyone. <laughs> to 16 to 19, I know that took time. <laughs> and that's never, never, never. Awareness. Never, awareness never. everyone. <laughs> yeah. Is everyone aware? All young people. <laughs> oh, honestly, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I think we could talk all day about this area. <laughs> so I think we'll have to have you back if that's all right. Keep in touch with all your projects and your campaigns and any learnings that you have. But you did mention at the beginning, you might say, some don't do's have you got just to end on a very clear never ever do this so you mentioned don't talk at people see i'm throwing them now it's really unfair yeah no the best one i guess is the it links back to the assembly point but don't don't be preachy and patronizing you know always be respectful don't create an assembly campaign but i think it's just not assuming yeah and and stereotypes yeah yeah okay i love that don't create an assembly campaign i think that it's an easy a, one do you know what remember. I'll send you? There's some TikToks that I hound Leanne with from this comedian, and him and he acts out these like drama dance things around not smoking or driving sensibly, and they are my absolute favourite. So I will send you one to put in the show notes. So, you, so for people thinking what the hell's shown about, you'll hopefully get the kind of <laughs> angle I'm going with. So yeah, just don't be that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> My last point would be around, I have to get accessibility in there somehow, Ruth. And it's just about be accessible in terms of what you're putting out there in your engagement. So when you're working with young people, make sure that all your information is at a certain level that they can, everybody can understand and and take the time to know what their needs are. But then that must also reflect in your outputs as well. So it's not relying on in-jokes. It's not relying on things that people don't understand and testing that if you're going into that territory. We did go down a few routes with our creatives and it pulled that, them out where oh, okay. folk picked up. If you were, uh, had this particular, you know, sort of need, you wouldn't understand that. And it's that kind of thing, really. And obviously, when you're creating content for young people in particular, it should have subtitles anyway or, or captions, but it's particularly important that your captions are very good for any filmed content because they will very often listen to it on mute. Ah, brilliant. Thank you so much. Incredibly helpful tip at the end. I never thought of that. Of course they'll listen on mute and especially a subject around this. They don't want younger siblings or dads here. Yeah, I think it was really, that was really interesting. Ah. So um, yeah, one young person said, "Don't (laughs) we don't want it to be like softball. Like I get you want it to be a moment, but we don't. If I was scrolling through that and I was at home, like I would be literally like, oh my God, my mum's over there. So it's just that balance of like asking them like how they want the content to be was interesting. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, thank you so much. It's been fantastic having you here. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Ruth. Take care. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. 
Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually. 